0: Thanks for tuning in to the Renew Life Church Lubbock podcast today. We hope this message encourages you as you allow God's Word and His presence to change your life. Well, welcome to Renew Life Church Lubbock. We're just so glad that you're here uh, with us at our launch service. So many of you guys have been here for some of our uh, some of our gatherings on Thursday night over at the Willows, but uh, we're here. Uh, my, I was on the way to church this morning and my daughter turned to me and she goes, it seems like crazy. Like we're like starting a church. And I'm like, yeah, par- apparently we are. So uh, anyway, uh, for those of you who don't know, my name is Brayden uh, and I'm the senior leader of a new life church. I'll be, uh, we, we my wife and I moved here. We're living here. We're We're planting home here. Obviously Keith and Natalie, they'll be the campus pastors here, but Uh, We've got a very unique, I I think it's semi-unique at least, uh, organizational structure in that we still believe that God uses multiple gifts to equip his people. The Bible tells us in in Ephesians chapter 4 that he gave apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers for the perfecting of the saints and for the work of the ministry. And so there is no one man that has all the answers except for that man, Jesus. And so we have high values, like Keith said, even for what you carry. Uh, it is our heart's desire not to just have church, but to raise up an army of disciples to change a city. So uh, super, super glad you're here with us and uh, getting ready to start this incredible, incredible journey. We, we will do a, a services here as soon as we're done with the service here. Jump in a truck, drive to Midland, have two more services tonight. So our world will look a little bit crazy for a little while. Uh, but it's the kind of crazy I like. So, uh, so glad you're on this journey with us. But I'm gonna I'm gonna jump right in. If you got your Bibles, go ahead and turn to Exodus chapter three. Uh, this is gonna sound crazy, but we're a church that believes the Bible. No, like we actually believe all of it. Uh, the Bible says that He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. John one one says that He became flesh. In the beginning was the Word. The Word was with God. The Word was God. He was He was the Word. And so we, if He's the Word, if we believe Him, it means we believe His Word. And one of the things you'll hear us talk about a lot here is uh, it is never okay for me to try to diminish the Word of God to my experience. Just because what the Word of God is saying is not being seen in my own life, I don't have permission to bring down the Word of God to my experience just so that I can wrap my head around what's going on. It is, it is, my, it is my, my life's mission to raise the level of my life's experiences to match what this word said is true. If this word says that these signs shall follow him who believes, they'll lay hands on the sick and they'll recover, then until I start to see it, I'm not done yet. Until I start to see every single time I lay hands on the sick and they recover, I'm not done yet. And, uh, and so we, again, it sounds crazy, but we just believe the Bible. Um, I, I want to read from Exodus chapter 3. If you're a note taker, Uh, This is the title of the message. What got us here won't get us there. What got us here won't get us there. And if you're a note taker, if you'd like to go to heaven, start and write that down. Um, Exodus chapter 3. Many of you know this story. I'm just going to start reading. It's a little bit of reading, but we'll get through it, I think. Now Moses was tending the flock of Jethro, his father-in-law, the priest of Midian, and he led the flock to the back of the desert, and he came to Horeb, the mountain of God. And the angel of the Lord appeared to him in a, fl- in a flame of fire from the midst of a bush. So he looked, and behold, the bush was burning with fire, but the bush was not consumed. Then Moses said, I will turn aside now and see this great sight. Why does this bush not burn? So when the Lord saw that he had turned aside to look, God, God called to him from the midst of the bush and said, Moses, Moses. And he said, Here I am. Then he said, Do not draw near this, to this place. Take off your sandals, for the place you're standing is holy ground. Moreover, he said, I am the God of your father, the God of Abraham, God of Isaac, the God of Jacob. And Moses hid his face, for he was afraid to look upon God. And the Lord said, I have surely seen the oppression of my people who are in Egypt. I've heard their cry because of their taskmasters, for I know their sorrows. So I've come down to deliver them out of the hand of the Egyptians and to bring them up from the land, from that land to a good and large land, to a land flowing with milk and honey, to the place of the Canaanites and the Hittites and a bunch of other ites. Verse 9. Now therefore, behold, the cry of the children of Israel has come to me, and I have also seen the oppression which you, the Egyptians, oppressed them. Come now therefore, and I want you to pay very close attention to this word and, and, and how God is speaking to Moses here in verse 10. He says, come now therefore, I will send you, turn to your neighbor and say you, I will send you to Pharaoh that you may bring my people, the children of Israel, out of Egypt. But Moses said to God, who am I that I should go to Pharaoh, and that I should bring the children of Israel out of Egypt? So he said, I will certainly be with you. Turn your neighbor again say, you. And this shall be a sign to you that I have sent you. And when you have brought the people out of Egypt, you shall serve God on this mountain. God's making a point here. He is clearly speaking to Moses saying, I have something for you. I have something for you. I propose that you'll never do something for someone else until, until you know who you are. You'll never be fully activated until you know what you have, what you carry, what God wants to do with you. This is something Moses is struggling with. He's struggling with this concept of you. As you know, the story goes on and he goes on to basically complain to the Lord and say, Lord, you've, you've picked the wrong guy. I'm not the guy you need. I'm not the spokesperson you need. You should have known this. I stutter. I am slow of speech. I can't be a spokesperson for you. I'm not good at speaking. I've heard, it, I've heard it said before that if you want to know what God's called you to do, uh, just start with the thing that you're good at and do that. I propose God so often starts with the thing you're not good at. Because if it's a God calling, it's something you can't do without him. So more than likely, you right now are already not very good at it. (laughs) You right now need God to do what God has called you to do. If you can do it, it requires no faith. If you can do it, it requires no God. And the Bible teaches us that when the Son of Man comes, here's what he's looking for, faith, not ability, faith. Not people that have figured out all the things that they can do, those that are willing to risk what they can't do by faith. And do something by faith. God is calling Moses to do something that Moses was very well well aware of the fact that he could not, in his own might, in his own power, do. I think it's interesting how God works with us sometimes. Moses continues to complain, he continues to gripe, and finally, the Lord, it actually says, the Lord gets frustrated with him. He gets frustrated with Moses, he's fine. I'll allow you to take Aaron with you, and he can be your spokesperson. God understood that Moses was on a journey to understand who he was. Many of you in this room, you're on a journey to understand who you are. You in your own mind can't comprehend why God would give his son for you. We lo- it's easy for us to say that God loves us. Did you know he loves you? No, he loves you. He died for you. He knows he knows the life you've lived. He knows the life you haven't lived. He knows how you've doubted Him. He knows how you've gone astray here and there. He he knows every single thing. And still, while you were still sinners, the Bible says while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. He didn't need your performance to love you. He loves you. Moses was still trying to wrap his head around all the things that God had called him to do. But make no mistake about it. This was a clear mission. This was a clear directive from God to to Moses. I want you to to be my spokesperson, but God in his mercy, God in his faithfulness, he allowed Moses to be where he is. How many of you guys are glad God allows us to be where we are sometimes? And if, he does, if we don't do exactly what he says, exactly the way he said, he doesn't say, fine then, do it on your own. No, he still continues to work with Moses and uh, kind of as the story goes, I'm going to fast forward. If you've got your Bibles, you can turn on to Exodus 18. We'll get there. A lot of things happen. Finally, Moses gets some courage up. He, he, he takes Aaron with him. There's all this interaction with Moses and Aaron and Pharaoh and, uh, you know, the, the story of the 10 plagues. Pharaoh's not letting God's people go and then finally decides to let them go and then even after he lets them go, he decides to chase them. So you got the whole Red Sea thing where God parts the sea and there's just so much going on. And after all, That happens, they get to the get across the 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 Red Sea, and then sure enough, there's there's them all them ites that the Lord said would be there. And so, there's a battle, there's a war, and uh, there's an incredible victory at the end of this war. And we pick this up here now. Well, before I get ahead of myself. Moses, in the middle of all this, he's got a lot of stuff going on. So he sends his wife and kids back to his father-in-law, back to Jethro. He's like, hey, I've got a lot of stuff going on here. Can you, can you just watch them, take care of them? Uh, lots of stuff got, going on in my life. And what's interesting is after everything kind of settled down, uh, I'm just trying to picture uh, Jethro, and he's sitting there with his, with, his, with his grandkids. He's sitting there with his wife, and he's thinking to himself, he's like, you know, I did my job already. I raised her. I only want to see my grandkids about once on, maybe on the weekends, give them a bunch of sugar and send them back home. But now all of a sudden I'm raising kids again. I didn't sign up for this. And so he calls on Moses, hey, remember that family and that family years? They're coming back. So Jethro comes back with them, and when they get there, uh, Jethro and Moses have this incredible uh, testimony service where they're just sharing stories of all the things that God had had done, and they're just celebrating. They're having a good meal, having a good drink, and just having a good time, and uh, just an incredible moment of celebrating all the things that God had done and all the things He had brought Moses and the children of Israel through. And then we pick it up in Exodus chapter 18, verse 13. And it says, And so it was on the next day that Moses sat to judge the people, and the people stood before Moses from morning until evening. So when Moses' father-in-law saw all that he did for the people, he said, what is this thing that you, notice this, what is this thing that you are doing for the people? Why do you sit alone and all the people stand before you from morning until evening? This is one of those moments where Moses, you know, he's, he's done a few things. The, the, the Moses that's here ain't the same Moses that the, that the Lord originally spoke to. I kind of, I kind of picture Moses here, a little Ron Burgundy. He's like, you know, I'm, I don't know if you know this, but people know me. I'm kind of a big deal. First, I didn't think I was qualified, but then the Lord started working with me, and then I realized I'm kind of freaking awesome. And so uh, I stand here every day because I got all the answers. And uh, the first time the Lord told me it was me, I didn't think it was me either. I didn't realize how amazing I could be. But here I am. Yet here's, Lord's, here's Jethro. The Lord, through Jethro at least, he's saying, hey, what is, what is this thing that you are doing and why are you doing all of this alone? Moses said to his father-in-law, because people come to me to inquire of God. When, you have, when they have difficulty, they come to me and I judge between one and another. and I make known the statutes of God and his laws. So Moses' father-in-law said to him, this thing that you're doing is not good. This thing that you're doing is not good. Just a short time earlier, the thing you were supposed to do is no longer the thing that you're supposed to do. When you think about that, the thing that delivered the children of Israel out of bondage is now no longer good. Let's keep reading. Both you and these people who you are with, you'll surely wear yourselves out for this thing is too much for you. You're not able to perform it by yourself. Listen now to my voice. Now, I want you to pay close attention. He says, I will give you counsel. Notice the first time Moses got a word from the Lord, the Lord himself came and spoke directly to Moses, and the who speaking was the Lord. The what was you. It was God directly saying you. And now the Lord is showing up a different way in the form of a spiritual father. In fact, if you go on and see, it wasn't just his father-in-law, it was a spiritual father him. He was the priest. Jethro was the priest of Midian. Moses started his journey following a spiritual leader. Learning from a spiritual leader. And now he's hearing, even though he's got a call of God on his life, even though he's got an assignment, he's still not disconnected from someone saying, Hey, I've got a word from the Lord. All of a sudden, the Lord's not just changing what he's saying, he's changing how he's saying it. I will give you counsel, and God will be with you. Stand before God. Stand before God for the people, so you may bring the difficulties to God, and you shall teach them the statutes and the laws, and show them the way in which they must walk and the work they must do. Moreover, you shall select from all the people able men, such as fear God, men of truth, hating covetousness, and place such over them to be rulers of the thousands, rulers over hundreds, fifties, and tens, and let them judge the people at all times. Then then it will be that every great matter they shall bring to you, every small matter they'll handle themselves. It will be easier for you, for they will bear the burden with you. If you do this thing, and and God so commands you, so clearly this is a word from God. This isn't just Jethro's opinion. This is a word from God. Then you'll be able to endure, and all this people will also go to their place in peace. Notice that the next word from God wasn't just to get Moses to know who he was called to be. It was to get everyone to know who they were called to be. He said, if you will change your approach, not only will I be with you, I'll be with them. Not only will I show them, or not only have I shown you what's in you, but now I'll show them what's in them. I'll get them to their place. I'll get them to their place in peace, so Moses heeded the voice of his father-in-law and did all that he had said. You know, Moses had at this point had clearly embraced the call of God on his life. He was doing the thing that he thought he was supposed to do. He was doing exactly what he thought he was supposed to do. But what saved the children of Israel in one season? If if Moses would have said this, I mean, I, I, we've all been guilty of saying this, I think. And we say things like, this is how God speaks to me. This is the thing that God has called me to do. Now, don't get get it twisted. I know that God's speaking. Some of you are on assignment. You're on mission. You know what God's called you to do. And I'm not trying to take you off mission. But what I am saying to you is if there's something going on in your life, if there's this twinge on the inside that there's more, that you're missing something, that that thing that you were once doing or the things that you've been doing for the last 20 years, it doesn't have the same effect. It doesn't have the same influence or whatever. I, I propose to you that... Maybe this is how God spoke to you in the past, and maybe this is what you were supposed to do in the past. But what got you here won't get you there. What got Moses to this place, what got Moses and the children of Israel to this place was not going to be the thing that got them through this place. And on to the next thing. In fact, as the story goes, it was shortly after Moses said, Yes, Lord, I will do this. And he began to delegate authority to the rest of the children of Israel. It was immediately after that that Moses was able to go to the mountain and get the Ten Commandments. One of the things he's most famous for, one of the greatest accomplishments in his life. I propose to you some of the greatest things you'll ever do, some of the greatest things you'll ever see God do in your life and through your life will be when you say, you know what, I'm not going to get stuck on what God used to say and what God said in the past. I want to live by every single word that proceeds out of the mouth of God every single day. What got me here may not get me there. man, I, I did not see myself doing this. I just feel, I, I want to pray for somebody real quick. This Lord just spoke to me and said, there's somebody in here that when Keith was talking, man, uh, you felt very strongly, this Lord start talking to you, you hurt, you, it wasn't even a hearing because you're still learning how to hear God the way he's called you to hear him. But the Lord said, I've called you to prophesy and you had that thought cross your mind and you were like, nope, not me. That's some crazy stuff. If that's you, this is going to be crazy. But if you want that, If you want that, if you have just enough faith, if that was you, when he said prophecy, you're like, man, that sounds crazy. Just raise your hand. Raise your hand. I feel very strong with that word. Was it you? Anybody else? Keep your hand up. There we go. Now we're getting there. Just needed someone to go first. There's more. Come on. Lord, right now, we just release the spirit of prophecy right now in Jesus' name. Lord, you are so moved by faith. The, the shaking, the butterflies and everything that's in this room that just was just restricting people to just even get a hand up. Lord, now it's beginning to start a free flow of you speaking to them in ways you've never spoken to them before. They're going to hear you like they've never heard you before. Lord, we just release the spirit of prophecy right now in this room in Jesus' name. The spirit of prophecy is the testimony of Jesus. It's really not that difficult prophecy begins with sharing what Jesus has done with your life. The Lord is going to begin to introduce you to people. He's going to begin to introduce you to people. They're going to have a similar journey to you in some way, shape, or form. And then you prophesy their future. You prophesy the exceedingly abundantly above all that they could ask or think over their life. Lord, we just release that right now on them. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, back to the message. You know, it's interesting that uh, as a church, we've been on, uh, uh, I actually had, pa- I had lunch with a, a senior pastor, another senior, amazing senior pastor here in town, and uh, we were having lunch a couple days ago, and we were talking about different things, and the word balance came up, and he was just talking about living a balanced life, and I, uh, I, he may never call me for lunch again because I said, well, with all due respect, uh, Mr. Senior Pastor, sir, um, and, and not to correct you, I was like, I actually don't even believe in balance. I think that's one of the biggest things that quenches the Spirit of God is trying to live a balanced life sometimes. Because what I, what I see in Scripture is not balance. What I see in Scripture is seasons. That's what I see. Not let's just stay, let's get all the kinks worked out, and let's just live nice, tidy, and balanced. What I see is seasons of absolute crazy. Then seasons of rest. Then seasons of medium crazy. Then a little bit more rest. And then a season of, oh my gosh, why are we in Lubbock? God works in seasons. Stop trying to live a balanced life. Stop trying to believe in a balanced God. <laughs> He's more radical than you think. Sometimes this idea of, well, we got, we got to have balance keeps us from taking risks. Because risks might make us have to adjust our schedule and spend a lot of time with something that might interrupt our balance. In the history of this church, we've 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 had actually three seasons. I'll just very briefly. I, I want to share with you. It's going to be difficult for you to know where we're going if you don't all the way know where we've been. And I've felt very strongly that this was not the launch of this church. Just this was just the start. I actually believe prophetically the Lord's going to launch this church. Uh, by the Spirit in September, there are some things that are going to happen over the next few months. Some of you are going to find the call of God on your life. You're going to find out about prophecy. You're going to begin to prophesy. You're going to be able to bring your part come September. But prophetically, I actually believe that the Lord is using this start to bring other people that are going to help us launch. Some of you, He just got you here so that you could help us launch. So today's just a start. And uh, but when when this ministry actually started, it was a it was a divine accident. Anybody ever had any of those divine accidents? I had a senior pastor in my life. I was serving another church in Midland and uh, was perfectly happy, perfectly content serving that ministry the rest of my life. And the Lord began to speak with me. And, and I began to have these encounters. Some of you know this story, uh, but I began to have these encounters. I was, I'd been pressing into God. I really wanted more uh, of the things of God. I had a radical visitation from the Lord. Uh, and then I was, went back in Scripture trying to wrap my head around what the heck just happened. And so, because uh, I didn't really have a grid for that, I, I was never one of those guys that prayed, I want to see angels, Lord, I want a visitation or take me to heaven or anything like that. And so once it happened, uh, I was trying to wrap my head around it, and the Lord actually took me on a journey of, of helping me understand some things. And part of the journey that he took me on is he took me to the scripture of 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17 through 19. Here's the scripture, it says that, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he's a new creation. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. Now, all things are of God who has reconciled us to himself through Jesus Christ and has given us the ministry of reconciliation that is that God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself not imputing their trespasses to them and has committed to us the word of reconciliation you see now a lot of us think that that is just a scripture to help get people get saved and i think that's probably at that point in my life what i thought this is a salvation this is a salvation scripture But what I noticed at that moment when when I had the visitation from the Lord is that when the Lord visited me, we actually just laid on the stage together, and he didn't say a single word to me. And in that moment, I'm having the greatest spiritual, no, not just spiritual, the greatest any kind of experience I've ever had in my life, and there were no instructions that came with it. In other words, when the Lord came to visit me, he didn't want to tell me what I was doing right, what I was doing wrong, how I could improve, a couple things, oh, you missed this and this. No, no, the God that I thought I knew was not the God that showed up. The God that showed up didn't want to talk to me. He just wanted to be with me. Now, I was a believer. I was a Christian, but I did not know God just wanted to be with me. This scripture is not just about salvation. This scripture is about God wants to be with you. That word that Leanne got this morning, he's, not, he's, he's with us and he's in us. God came that morning and he was just with me. And I, I mean, I'm telling you, I began to see things. The grace of God took on a whole new meaning to me. The mercy of God took on a whole new meaning to me. The righteousness of God in Christ Jesus it took on a whole new meaning to me. I began to see for the first time that when my heavenly father, my creator, the one that made me, when he looked at me, and there were times when I thought, oh, when he looks at me, he, had saw, he saw what I did last night, he saw what I did last week, he saw what i done with my whole life. And I, I, I assumed emotions. I assumed he was frustrated. I assumed he was disappointed. He, he saved me, and when I get to heaven, we'll clean all the rest of this mess up. That's how I think I thought he was about, about this whole deal. But I didn't realize that when he looked upon me, he could not look at me without looking through the blood of Jesus, that erased anything that he might even be marginally disappointed in. So that when my father looked at me, he was always happy. He was always pleased. The Lord took me through that season just like He took, did with Moses. He had to take Moses through a season where Moses knew who he was. The Lord took me through a season where He knew who He took me through a season where I knew who I was. Not in Braden, in Christ. Not in my own power, but in his power. After he took me through this journey, I, I knew that I had to share this message. At the time, I was working for a church, and the pastor would send us notes, and I would preach the notes that he told me to preach, and was perfectly content with that, perfectly happy with that. And, uh, but then the Lord began to tell me, I, I need you to preach what I've shown you. I need you to say what I tell you to say. And so I, uh, I, I, it was such a heavy thing for me. I had such honor for this man, and I, I prayed about that for six months. So before I ever even spoke to him, I prayed for six months and hoping that he would hear my heart, that I wasn't disrespecting anything that he had, he had asked me to do or didn't want to go off on my own or anything like that. I just wanted to do what the Lord told me to do. And so uh, after six months of prayer, I went and visited with him and shared this, this with him, and he said, it sounds like you need to start a church. And I said, well, it sounds like you didn't hear me. Um, I... I don't want to start a church. I just want to preach what the Lord has told me to preach. I just want to share what's on my heart. And he said, no, I, I think it's time for you to start, start a church. And he literally shut down the church that I was campus pastoring for him. He shut that church down, gave us everything that we needed and help us launch what is now Renew Life Church. At that moment, I knew that everything that God had shown me in the last couple of years, it was time for me to share with the church. It was time for me to take our church on a journey, to teach our church who they were in Christ Jesus, to explain the fullness of the finished work of Jesus on the cross and what that meant, that it wasn't just for those that need to get saved. It was for those who didn't believe that Jesus wanted to be close to them even after they were saved. And so for a season, that's what we did. We, we just, man, I would get, I would tell Leanne, I feel like I'm preaching the exact same message every single Sunday. Surely people are getting bored. But people just kept coming and people kept coming and the church started growing and um, it was incredible to see what God was doing. And then, I don't know, two and a half years into this, something began to stir in my spirit and, and I was reading a scripture. I want to read the scripture that I was reading when this happened. 1 Corinthians 12, 28, it says, and God has appointed these in the church. First, I should say this. That's kind of the way I think. I have a, I have a dream. I have a desire. I have a passion to build what God wants. When I read Scripture, I'm looking at it and saying, okay, Lord, but I, I, I don't want all just the fluffy stuff. What are we building here? What are we doing? I'm a little bit like, you know, Noah and the Ark. Like, can we let's go build something. we got to build something, you know. And so uh, I'm a little wired that way. And so I was, when I was reading, I, I wanted to know, Lord, how am I supposed to be building this church? How did you want the church built? And so I found this scripture. God has appointed these in the church. First apostles, second prophets, third teachers. After that, miracles, gifts of healing, helps, administrations, and various kinds of tongues. Now, at the time, when I read this scripture, there was a bit of a rub, a bit of a frustration with some of the things that we were doing and how we were doing them because Uh, although we were growing, I knew there was something missing. Although on the outside, uh, you could say that was a successful church, things were happening. I knew something was missing. And so uh, there was a bit of an agitation, a bit of a dissatisfaction. And when I read this, at first, I was like, I didn't know this was even in there. I was like, there's just a blueprint. He says, this is how you build the church right here. And I said, here's the problem with how you build the church. He says, first apostles, second prophets, third teachers. We don't we just say pastor around here. And pastor didn't even make the list. So I'm already a little bit like, Lord, what in the world is going on here? And, but I, I kind of set that to the side. And then I read, okay, if that's your staff, let's just say that the perfect church, according to 1 Corinthians 12, 28, is built on apostles, prophets, and teachers, which, by the way, is kind of scriptural. I just said, let's just set that to the side for just a second, and let's go on and read. It says, after that, miracles and healings the first two things he says he wanted to see in his church are miracle and healing. And I said, Lord, I, I don't know how to do those two things. <laughs> that's not my forte. Like, I don't know how to swing my white jacket and let the bodies hit the floor. Let the you know, I was like, no, you kind of have that. Who's seen the meme? You've seen, come on, you've, you've seen the meme. You know what I'm talking about. Um, there, there are certain people that have kind of an image about some of these things. And I'm like, that, I just don't think that's me. I just don't think that's me. I'm like, yeah, but like I said earlier, I, I don't get the right to boil the Scripture down to me. I've got to raise me to the Scripture. So even though this seemed difficult, even though this was confusing, and even though I didn't know this up until that point, now that I've read it, now I'm responsible for it. I said, Lord, I don't, I don't know how to do that. I don't, I don't know how to go after this. I don't know how to build this church that I see in Scripture. And he gave me Psalms 84.5. It says, blessed is the man whose strength is in you, whose heart, whose heart, whose heart is set on a pilgrimage. The Lord told me, he said, you just set your heart in that direction and I'll bless it. I don't need you to know how to do it. If you already knew how to do it, it wouldn't take faith. Just set your heart in that direction. Now, I'm a bit of a radical kind of a guy, and so after I read that, I uh, I was in the middle of, actually, I was supposed to be studying for teaching a class that we were doing at the time, and so when the class was over, the whole staff was there, and I called the whole staff together, and I said, hey, everything's canceled. Literally, everything's canceled, and they're like, what is going on here? And I'm like, well, I found a scripture. <laughs> And I said, I don't know how we're going to do this, but we're going to do it. And I read to them this scripture, and I said, I'm going, to be- I be- I'm going to believe that if we go after what God says we're supposed to go after, if we set our hearts on this journey, he's going to bless it. And because I only had a little bit of faith, I said, and we're going to do it in the summer when no one else is coming in church anyway. <laughs> so if we start doing it, we only lose half our church. <laughs> And so I remember the first Sunday we did this, and, I, and again, I'm, this is, it sounds comical, but this is our journey. This is, how, this is what faith looked like to us. I said, look, I, here's the only thing I know after, know what to do. We're going to go after encounters. We're going to go after miracles. We're going to go after healing. We're going to go after his presence. We're going to go after all the things. And so worship, the, there's no time limit anymore on worship. You worship till we're done. Then after we're done, I sent up an associate pastor. I said, now you signs, wonders, miracles, words of knowledge, gifts of the Spirit, whatever, you just do whatever the Lord puts on your heart. And if there's time for me to preach at the end of all this, then I'll preach. I said, the only thing I care about, because I care about our kids too much, and I care about our kids' volunteers too much, is we're not going longer than an hour and a half. If you've ever, if you've ever worked in children's ministry, say amen. It's so like, after an hour and a half, come get your freaking kids, like, quick, you know. <laughs> I cared too much about the family. God didn't just call us to adults. He called us to the family. And so I said, look, that's, that, that, that's all I care about is that we don't go longer than this number right here. If I had an hour and a half, that's, that's about the most we can we can do. And so um, the worship team got up, and they worshiped. And the, the, the pastor at the time, the associate pastor came up at the time, and he did what he did. And when I got up on stage, I had six minutes. <laughs> so I closed the service, and we all went home. <laughs> That was the beginning of a journey for us, saying, God, this is your church. This is not mine. This never has been my church. Apparently, I was confused for the first two and a half years, and the title senior pastor got me off track a little bit. But this is your church, and if I see it in here, I'm going to do it out there. And we did it in the summer, remember, because I was thinking, man, we'll do it in the summer. We we'll won't scare everybody off. And all of a sudden, the church ex- started exploding and growing in the middle of the summer. And God started moving. And every single Sunday since, we've seen miracles happen. We've seen breakthrough happen. We've seen the, the presence of God show up in our services in crazy, tangible ways. This is just the beginning. What you're seeing right now, and th- this is just the beginning. What God has planned for this city, what God has planned for this church, this is just the beginning. not too long ago. The Lord began to speak to me about Lubbock and this transition. And and, uh, I'll be really honest with you. I believe, and if you're here from Midland, you got to hear my heart. Um, I believe that uh, in a lot of ways, Midland was a bit of a trial run. I tell my oldest daughter, I tell all my kids, I say, look, the first one is just for practice. Nobody gets the first kid right. Second one's a little better, and I am crushing it right now, or our third right now. She's amazing. The other two, yeah. (laughs) but uh in a lot of ways midland was just some figuring out some stuff it was a yes to a spiritual father i didn't really know who i was i didn't really know what we were called to do but the lord took us through seasons he took us through the season of the of the righteousness of god in christ jesus he wanted us to know who we were then he took us through a season of the supernatural because he wanted us to know what we had what we had in us and and not too long ago the lord began to speak to me about what i believe is my one of my assignments at least up to this point it's all that i know it is uh, but it was it was a, it was was an assignment to spiritual family. It involved Lubbock. It involved multiple cities. Some of you heard me talk about it. We feel uh, very strongly that we'll plant churches, seven t- in, in all, Midland, Odessa, Abilene, Wichita Falls, Roswell, Amarillo, and then obviously here in Lubbock, Lubbock being the home base. Those are all we feel like in our future. Uh, but when we got here, I knew this was the beginning, not just of a call of God on my life, but also a shift into a new season. Like I said, the Lord's not looking for balance. He's looking for us to know what he's doing in the season. Cotton farmers, you know this. When it's time to strip the cotton, day and night. <laughs> Keep them suckers running. Because if you don't do the right thing in the right season when you're hungry and it's not the season, you won't have anything to eat. <laughs> and so we just felt strongly we feel strongly that this is a shift into a season that you get to be a part of. And um, I just want to read. Part of this, this return, I think, to spiritual family is, is also just a return to the nat- a natural response to the gospel, the, the first church, what God originally intended for the church to look like. And if you read in Acts chapter 2, verse 40, you know, Jesus told the disciples after he ascended for the final time, he's like, don't leave until the Holy Spirit comes. Holy Spirit comes, fills the room. There's all those incredible things that are happening, one of which was they all began to speak in tongues, and those that heard them speaking in tongues thought, man, them jokers are drunk. They're having they're having a party. And, 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 and finally, Peter stands up, and he preaches the first message under the power of the Holy Spirit. And this is what he says. He says, with many words he testified and exhorted them, saying, be saved from this perverse generation. Then those who gladly received his word were baptized, and that day about 3,000 souls were added to them, And they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and fellowship and the breaking of bread and prayer. Then fear came upon every soul, and many signs and wonders were done through the apostles. Now all who believed were together had all things in common. They sold their possessions and goods and divided them among all as anyone had need. And they continued daily with one accord in the temple, breaking bread from house to house. They ate their food with gladness and simplicity of heart, praising God and having favor with all people. And the Lord added to the church daily those who were being saved. This was the first church. This was the foundation of the church. This is what I call the purest, most natural response to the gospel. These are people that heard the gospel for the first time and what came out of them was a natural response, which should be a natural response to the, to the gospel. They stayed devoted to the apostles' teaching. We'll talk more about this in the future. I look at that as the fivefold office of ministry, those that are called to equip the saints for the work of the ministry. You can find it in Ephesians 4. They stay devoted to that. They were devoted to fellowship. They were devoted to hanging out, having meals together, prayer. Signs, wonders, and miracles were the norm, not just for the apostles. I know it says that many signs and wonders and miracles were done by the apostles. I propose it was because they hadn't been taught yet. The rest of the church just hadn't been taught yet. The disciples had been with Jesus. But Jesus himself said, these signs shall follow him who believes, not just him who's an apostle. The supernatural is not for apostles, it's for everyone unity generosity they regularly met in the temple they regularly met in church but then they regularly met also in homes that's one of the things you'll hear us talk about in the coming months home churches and training for home churches some of you in here you're called to pastor you know you're called to pastor and for you all you've ever seen is well that must mean I'm supposed to start one of these I believe that some of you are called to pastor homes homes inside this church praising God there was a culture of worship you see that And then it says something interesting at the very end it says they had favor with all people not just the people in their church the church is not just supposed to have friends inside the church influence inside the church they're supposed to have influence and favor and friends with all people that's just what i felt like the lord has had been speaking to us it's time to start building a, a spiritual family and get back to the roots of what this church looks like you just see you see the very beginnings of this what you see today this is the very beginnings of this it's an invitation It's an invitation into more than just a church. It's an invitation into a family. It's not just an invitation to come somewhere and get fed. It's it's an invitation to come somewhere and learn how to feed. Please hear my heart. I'm not here just to feed you on Sundays. I'm here to equip you. You need to learn how to eat. That's what I'm here to do. That's what we're here to do. We're all here to help each other, equip each other in our ministry. I am not here to feed you. You'll get something out of it, Here, please hear my heart. Shepherds feed the flock, I get that. But if all you ever look at this church as is a, is a big giant food trough, you'll never fulfill the, call, fulfill the call of God on your life. You'll never experience all that God has for you. I'm not inviting you to join a church, I'm inviting you to join a family. And like we all know in the family, everyone has value and everyone has a part. Everyone has value no matter what their part looks like, everyone has a part, but they're still valued